find the baller. My life is more than money and money. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from playing sports to exotic whips. Ain't gotta tell me, dog. I know I'm the shit behind the baller. My life is more than money and journey. My story's so crazy, dog. I said make a movie behind the baller. I went from music exec to this podcast. Now I finally feel at home and laugh behind the baller. What's up, everybody? You are listening to a brand new episode of Behind the Baller Podcast. Yes, the award-winning, chart-topping, number one in several countries, one of them Africa, top 40 in America, the shit-talking, free game, unorthodox business podcast. Yo, this is what this fucking is. I'm just like sitting here staring at notes. I've, I've been sitting here for minutes just looking at it just with a blank stare. Like, am I going to push record on this motherfucker? Yes. We got a fucking show for you guys, man. Look, this is the last episode before Black History Month is over. And if I'm going to bring somebody on that's black, better be powerful. So you already fucking know. We got my dog, Hotep Jesus, on BTB today. Yo, he's been done but fucking fire. You know what I'm saying? We're going to get into that in a little bit. But yo, a lot of people wonder, who the fuck is the Korean John Cusack? Who is he? He goes by the name of Ben Baller, not Ben Humble. Uh, for some reason, my voice woke up this morning kind of feeling, I don't know, a little off. Feels froggy, but you know what? Miles, this is what he does, man. He's going to just fix that shit in the sound. But yo, to get started, thoughts and prayers go out to Tiger Woods. That is like something that's been on my mind for like the last three days and just kind of fucked me up when I heard about it. I can't believe I didn't hear about it sooner. Um, my wife, had, I walked in the door and my wife was like, oh, you didn't hear about Tiger? You know, I'm tired of asking you, have you heard about this? Because you always say, oh, yeah, of course I know about that because I try to keep up with current events. You know what I'm saying? Like Andrew Cuomo allegedly sexually harassing his uh, assistant, which we're not going to get into, but it's just fucking crazy, right? Um, because this man was loved in the beginning of the pandemic. And I was just, I just think about this shit, like where the fuck are we in this pandemic? Uh, so anyways, Tiger Woods, man, was driving. It looked like a Bentley Bentayga. I wasn't exactly sure, man. I, I didn't really pay too deep attention. I just saw a bunch of fucking just, you know, just news and it was crazy, right? It was the only thing that fucking broke vaccine info and all this other shit that's going on. But uh, he was at the Terranea Resort in Palos Verdes. I don't know if you guys have ever been there, ever heard of it. Palos Verdes is like its own unique little area in the South Bay. It's the only area that has a peninsula in Southern California, right? So it's just a cool little area. It's a upper echelon, you know what I'm saying? It's, it's a nice neighborhood, uh, Ranchos Palos Verdes. And Terranea Resort is a really nice hotel, you know, place out there. And I guess he was staying there. And it's up allegedly, or, or supposedly, he was supposed to meet up with uh, Peyton Manning and um, Drew Brees to uh, play some golf or whatever. I forgot what the fuck it was. But anyways, he's going down the street only hitting 65, something seems off, okay, look, I know this dude's used to driving big SUVs, right, when you drive big SUVs, and you drive like Escalades, and things like that, and ESVs, the extended versions, when you're in a smaller car, you should have much more control, it don't give a fuck how fast you're going, and you know, if he wasn't a Bentayga, you know, it's a twin turbo, um, I don't know if he was a V12, V8, but the car handles really good, way better than a fucking, so something's up with that corner, and they had said that. But you know what? They said that he had significant damage to his legs, to his ankle. I mean, this motherfucker's been through so many surgeries. If you guys watched his special, you know, the documentary, I just am praying for this dude to be um, 
I know he's going to want to play, but just what's going to do to his mental, you know, just because this dude is like, obviously like a robot and loves to have his fucking legs. Um, but yeah, I had to start off the show with, with sending my prayers to uh, Tiger Woods, man. Look, I'm not one of those dudes who's bashing him for what he did in the past, whatever, man, fuck all that bullshit. Um, who I am going to bash on are the fake gurus that are on Clubhouse. So as you guys might have known in this last week, I've been more active on Clubhouse app more than ever, right? Now, the crazy thing is Clubhouse is only for iPhone users, right? They're trying to figure it out for Android. I don't know what's taking so long. It is an invite-only app at the moment, right? Um, I would send invites to you guys, but I'm not trying to have you guys in my phone book. No offense. Um, I have so many unread messages as it is. It's just not something I want to add to. But uh, you can only be invited via text. And um, the app is like a walkie-talkie chat room. You know, you're just sitting there, boom. The issue I got with Clubhouse is there's definitely some very useful things, but it is a rest haven for Ponzi scheme, you know, Jay Mazzini type people and people who are just, like I said, fake gurus. People who try to tell you that they can help you become successful. They can help you grow your brand. They can help you have a bigger social media following. And what's crazy as fuck is you go to these people's pages and they have like 30,000, 80,000. Right now, anything over 10,000 is kind of a lot of followers on a clubhouse. But there are people with two, three million followers on clubhouse, right? But if you have like 100,000 followers, a lot of followers on clubhouse is a fairly new app, right? It's almost been around a year. Um, people didn't get hip until maybe, I want to say like December, you know? So when you got people on there that have... 80,000 followers, and then, you know, they say all this shit. You go onto their Instagram pages, and they have, like, 6,000 followers. And then you go, and look, I'm not saying that they can't give you valid information. It's just I see so many people on there who have no idea who the fuck they are, never heard of them. And look, the world is a big place. But when it comes to, like, verified people who are speaking business and stuff, I kind of know the big people, and I kind of just, like, you know, I mean, I, I browse enough. I do a lot of browsing. I do a lot of lurking, Right. And there's a lot of multi-level marketing clown motherfuckers out there trying to sit in rooms and tell people why the fuck. And again, like I said, their profile pages are filled, you know, fucking 300, 400 letters, fucking 700 characters, you know, describing what they've done. Every goddamn fucking accolade, which like aren't even real accolades. Like, oh my God, a professional flushed the toilet 75,000 times in a hotel. Like, what? Bro, shut the fuck up. Okay. What kills me is I went into a room when it was like um, business and crypto and blah, blah, the good, the bad, the ugly. And, you know, this is the thing. I'm in there, right? Non-traditional businessman. You know, yeah, I am an entrepreneur because I am by default, right? But to their standards for what they say and everything, right? I mean, I agree with some of these things, you know, they're obvious. But, you know, I want to go in there and be like, well, so what are you going to teach me? What can you teach me? Because some of these people don't know who I am which is fine by me. It's great, okay? But how are you going to tell me to be successful when you're not successful yourself, right? You got people who are telling people how to become a millionaire, how to become a billionaire, and you got no money? What kind of shit is that? Do you know what I mean? And you're going to try to tell me to, you know, how I can grow my brand when you haven't even done a quarter of what I've done, let alone maybe even a tenth, right? And again, I'm not putting my chest out because my net worth has tripled in the last year. It's just... Just man, it's just awkward, man. It's just it's a funny app. Gonna see how you know how it goes. Um, obviously, Twitter has a new thing. 
very similar called Spaces. I think when Twitter pulls out, I think that uh, Clubhouse might be, it might be curtains for Clubhouse. And Facebook is doing one too. And plus, Twitter's gonna have theirs for Android before Clubhouse will. So we'll see what happens, man. You know, it's it's gonna be an interesting situation. Uh, you know who isn't going to sugarcoat shit is Hotep Jesus. Okay, he tells it like it is with receipts and a motherfucker, you know, studied history and all that. Look, you might not like what he's gonna say or what he says, but he's not lying. So I'd rather just jump into that and get into this interview because it's kind of long. And let's hear what Hotep Jesus has to say on Behind the Baller. Yo, Miles, man, you already know what the deal is. Lakey Lake was good, bro. Let's get a little intro music and we'll be right back with Hotep Jesus. The 75 inch TV, not the 50. The ribeye, not the sirloin. Business, not coach. There are times when paying a little more is worth it. Just like there's a world of difference between the stretched out sadness in your drawers and Tommy John underwear. When you're wearing Tommy John underwear, you're that much more comfortable. So you can do everything better. That's why Tommy John doesn't have customers. They have fanatics. Because with dozens of comfort innovations, once you've tried Tommy John underwear, you're never going back. Innovations like breathable, lightweight, moisture wicking fabric with four times the strength of competing brands. With over 13 million pairs sold, men across America love Tommy John underwear because they keep everything in place. No more flopping or sticking to yourself. I rock Tommy John and you should too. Tommy John underwear comes with non-rolling waistbands for the perfect fit. The legs never ride up and you're covered with their no wedgie guarantee. Returns and exchanges are free and right now get 15% off your first order at tommyjohn.com slash baller. That's 15% off Tommy John underwear and loungewear at tommyjohn.com slash baller. tommyjohn.com slash baller. See site for details. Yo, 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 ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to Behind the Baller podcast. We have got the guy, one of the craziest son of bitches I know that I've met recently via the internet, brilliant, again, crazy, <laughs> and I'm just, I want to know more about him, and if I want to know more about him, then you should want to know more about him. Yo, ladies and gentlemen, we got Brian Sharp, aka Hotep Jesus on BTB. Yo, B, what's good, man? What's good, Joe, man? Thanks for having me. Yeah, man, this is like, uh, I pushed a couple uh, <laughs> athletes, you know, they, they just, like, come on, man, I could do athletes anytime, you know what I'm saying? This is a little bit more important. This is like real life conversations here, you know? <laughs> I'm honored, I'm honored. Yeah, uh, you know, real quick, um, you know, Google could tell you only so much, right? And, and, you know, there's always a lot of things that taken out of context, especially when you're reading something, things can be misconstrued, misinterpreted and everything, whatever. So, you know, uh, to start off, man, can you tell me where you were born and raised? A Jersey. I'm a, I'm a Jersey boy. The internet will tell you I'm from Brooklyn. Um, my grandfather had a, a building in Brooklyn, but I'm not from Brooklyn. I'm from Jersey. Okay. It's so crazy. Are you are you on Clubhouse? 
Yeah, I'm on Clubhouse. Okay. Yeah, I jumped in this. I don't know what the fuck I got, got into, but I seen this hip hop discussion. Who was the greatest rapper out of Jersey? And I was like, oh shit, what did I get myself into? And then, you know, I have a music background. A lot of people know me as a jeweler, but then, you know, people who dig deep know I was professionally in the music business. And so we got into this whole discussion. And the whole time, you know, people were talking about Naughty by Nature and talking about Lauryn Hill. Mm. And I'm like, you motherfuckers ain't talking about Reggie Noble? You ain't talking about Queen Latifah? It's, it's a lot of people from Jersey, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, so it's a trip, man. You know, much love to Jersey. I'll never forget the first time I ever was in East Orange. I was like, get me the fuck out of here, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get active. In, in I was like, Orange. yo, what the <laughs> fuck is going on over here? Um, yeah. So, again, speaking about Google, you know, when you do a simple Google search on your name or on your moniker, right? You know, like media corporations like Fox News, they label you as like an alt-right, which, you know, I mean... Again, I I don't know you well enough, but like, you know, I would label you as a true blessing to social media. You know what I mean? Like, it's, that's what I would say. But what, what do you consider yourself when people ask you, like, when it comes to that type of view or, you know, you, what party you belong to, whatever? You know, I, I don't align with any of the political parties. Ideologically, if we were to talk politics, I'd probably be more ANCAP, you know, anarcho-capitalist. I'm a Rothbardian. I don't. I don't believe in the uh, existence of the state. Uh, you know, if you guys ever read Anatomy of State by Rothbard, uh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a history buff, man. And when you do your history, you start seeing a whole lot of things that uh, are out of place, you know, and and you start looking at your present a lot different than your peers do. You start seeing patterns, and you start seeing you know, history repeat itself, you know, and um, I know there's been a lot of um, presidents who have been controversial over the years. You know, one of the most controversial presidents is Andrew Jackson. Right. You know, he, he was out there murdering Buffalo. He was murdering natives. But when you look at the flip side of the coin, he was like one of the presidents that was actually trying to do right by the country. You know, he might not like black people potentially, you know, you know, he might have been a racist, pompous asshole, but as far as we're affected, he saved our ass at least for a little while, you know, when he opposed the, you know, the central bankers. You know, so again, you know, if I say something like, you know, I kind of dig Andrew Jackson, people will be like, oh my God, how can you say that? He wanted to kill natives. And it's just like, yeah, but, you know, I'm not. You know, I look at history in its totality. I look at every individual yeah, in its totality. Yeah, there's deeper, there's deeper things in that, which sounds yeah, fucked yeah. up, you know, but it's the truth. Yeah, yeah. So, look, now you're talking about history. This wasn't even on my motherfucking topic list. Now, fuck it, this is going to be a little longer of an interview now, feel me? So, you know, um, my kids, you know, they're in school. They're learning history and stuff. And, you know, I'm 48. So, you know, when I grew up, you know, you all the Christopher Columbus shit came on. That's just normal. And just four days ago, we were driving uh, in the RV headed to um, to the mountains for a little you know, camping trip. And my oldest son was like, did you know that, you know, Christopher Columbus didn't discover America? And I was like, I just, I almost pulled the car over. And I was like, what you? I was like, yo, I didn't know it was that, you know, it got to finally got to him. You know what I mean? Like it finally got to schools. And then, you know, he's like the indigenous people. And I was like, what, what did you say? 
Because it fucked me up that he even knew that word and just, you know. And again, I pay attention to what's going on in my school, but it's like I got three businesses. I have three kids, you know, for the basic part. My wife does handle the Zoom classes and stuff. But I was really happy that he had said that, you know. And then there's just a lot of things that were going on anyways. The fucked up part about it is my son goes to a Catholic school that is charging me an arm and a leg. And the thing is, I'm not really big on religion. Like, I respect all religions, right? But when you think about the Bible, you know, you're talking about history, right? So if we're going on history and science, you know, the Bible is a fictional book. Am I right or am I wrong? Yeah, it's ahistorical. Okay. So, you know, just crazy shit. You know, you just got me thinking about that stuff. You know, a funny thing with um, Christopher Columbus is talking about him discovering America is almost like a distraction of from truly the human being that he was. You know, if you want to understand Christopher Columbus, there's required reading. It's called uh, A Letter He Wrote to His Financier, uh, Descent Angel. And and really, if you want to get a good grasp of who he was and the wicked man he was, you, you want to read that letter. That's required reading to even begin to understand Christopher Columbus's story. Did, did he have like a manifesto or something? Um, it was just a letter, you know, he's trying to report back to his financier about what he saw, you know, and in, in, in this letter, he talks about, hey, I met the natives. Uh, this is in the island of Haiti, uh, which is Haiti, Dominican Republic. Right. And um, he said when he met the natives, you know, he's talking about how how nice and generous they were. And he was like, and then I just, you know, took them by force. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So you know, yeah. let's get right into it. Fuck it. You know, I saw your Joe Rogan interview. Um, most of the parts, you know, here and there. And, uh, you know, I think Joe's probably one of the only shows I've never done, which uh, I would love to do Joe's show just because I feel like the Asians he had on there are like too stereotypical still. You know what I'm saying? They, they ain't been, I mean, no disrespect to Dave Cho and a couple other ones, but like, I mean, like for the most part, like I, th- I don't think that they had, you know, they had the more typical Asian life. Uh, going on, going forward, um, I had interpreted from the whole thing. I was like, okay. So, uh, and I had my eyes opened up. I was like, oh, this motherfucker crazy, but he might be right. You know, I don't know. Let's see. So uh, from what I gathered from there, obviously um, the Africans had already colonized America. Is that what you said that right? I, not, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it like that. You know, what I would say is that all life goes back to Africa, and uh, that's based upon, you know, scientific account. Okay. But no matter where you go, you see you see a melanated people. You see a, a Negro-looking race, no matter where you go, whether it's the kingdom of, of Hawaii under King Kamehameha in the 19th century, or if you go to the Aborigines and the Pygmies and the Australian continent, you know, you see black people all over the world. You see them, you know, they discovered a 500, uh, I think it was like a 500-year-old body Incan woman, you know, um, which is obviously South America. And it looks like Tanisha down a block with braids in her hair, <laughs> you know, right? It was frozen or something like that. So you see melanated people across the globe. And, and really the point is that we had traversed the globe a millennia ago. And spread out. Um, when we talk about expeditions, of course, you have people like Leif Erikson who has visited the North American continent and the Vikings and so on and so forth. But you also have uh, King uh, Abu Bakari, I believe his name is, out of the Mali Empire, um, who led an expedition, 
I want to say the 14th or 15th century, uh, probably 14th or 13th century to America, to the Americas. You know, so, you know, the thing is people, history likes to remove the agency of Africans, you know, to transport ourselves, you know, as if we were just sitting around in huts. But, you know, at the, at the time when Europe was wholly illiterate, uh, Timbuktu had a university, you know, it was like one of the universities of the world, Timbuktu, Mali. In Africa, we had the uh, Library of Alexandria, which many of those works were, were burned uh, in, the, in the invasions. And Alexander the Great um, pillaged. You know, so, you know, to, they, they try to reduce our history, you know, to being, you know, some bush people and so on and so forth. But the truth of the matter is, you know, so going back to the letter from um, Christopher Columbus to, or Cristobal Colon to De Sant Angel, in there he says when he visited the, the islands, these natives had uh, boats the size of an 18-oared galley. That's, that's the term he used, an 18-oared galley. And that's a, it's pretty, it's a pretty big boat. Yeah, so give me a, a, like the size, um, the breakdown, you know what I'm saying? Like, that, give me a gauge. Um, I don't know how many feet that is, but, you know, you figure, <laughs> you know, 18 oars would be, you know, uh, 18 men's, you know, with, with probably leg room. Right. <laughs> you know, you know, stacked one in front of the other. So, you know, you, you try to put that visual in your head of these guys rowing these boats. So, you know, this is a pretty big boat. Now, what I know is that there's a lot of people today, refugees that's leaving Haiti, other islands, Cuba, et cetera, and coming to America on makeshift rafts. So if you have the natives back then with boats the size of an 18 North galley, it's it's not hard to assume that the natives were traveling back and forth to the Americas. I mean, Florida's right there. It's only 90 miles off the coast of Cuba. Yeah, yeah. very close. Yeah, so... You know, it, again, they try to remove our agency to transport ourselves as if we didn't know what a boat was. But it's right there in Christopher Columbus's own account that we had boats, you know, and, and, and that they were black people. I'm saying in the interview, right, I gathered kind of, I don't want to mess up your words, too, so you can go ahead and, and that's not what I'm here to do, right? So you don't think that the Africans were brought over here on boats? Has like, you know, how the history books have told us or how well, even— well, well, they fact-checked me on the show. Jamie pulled it up and said only 5% of the slaves in America actually came from Africa. They fact-checked me right there on the show. You know, a lot of people was, like, giving me backlash. And I'm like, yo, you ain't watched Jamie fact-check me, like, live on air. Hey, you know, so it's just common sense, though. It's just common sense. Like, I never needed to look up the information to know what was right and wrong. When I got older, I started digging for the information, and I eventually did find it. But, you know, from young, I was like, that don't make sense. Why would you go all the way to Africa to bring people here when there's already natives here? Because they teach you in America, the colonists got here and they were natives. So it's like, if you wanted to enslave somebody, and like I said before, Andrew Jackson had a war when they wanted to push out West, and he was eliminating natives. And, you know, you have POWs, and POWs end up in camps and slaves and et cetera. So... If you were doing that, why wouldn't you just enslave the population that's already here instead of trying to go buy slaves from overseas and then bring them over here? And then they were talking about like half the cargo would die or get sick on the way over. So it's just like that's not economically sound, especially when you got you got black 
people in Jamaica and all the Caribbean islands. You can snatch people there. You got you got slaves in in Mexico. I mean, Mexico had some of the most popular silver mines uh, and copper mines, you know, and they and they had slaves that was doing that mining. So, it, it, plenty of people in South America. So so break down roots to me, right? Kunta Kente, all that. That was just fiction. Yeah, that's fiction. Right, and it's just telling stories. Yeah. Right. Uh, uh, struggle film, trauma porn. So how many years of oppression was there in America then, to your knowledge? Oppression, well, if you ask me, America was founded off of oppression, the oppression of all people, not just black. You know, I was I was talking about reparations the other day, and, and the red whites, I call them red whites now, or red Caucasians, the Republicans, the conservatives, I call them red whites. And the red whites... <laughs> Right. The red whites, they hate that conversation. They hate when you talk about reparations. And then and then I flipped it on them. I said, I can make a case for white people to have reparations. I saw that. And then they I saw that. Yeah. yeah and they, and they kind of like flipped their tune a little bit because they're like, wait, hold on. Like, what are you talking about now? And, and again, coming back to your point, you know, America was founded off of oppression of all people. For example, when you look at the colonists, a lot of the colonists were defecting. And they were going to live with the natives. It was like, yo, like we're dying. You go look at, you know, another thing they they like to say, they like to say the Africans was cannibals. And that's just not true. When you go look at Virginia, Virginia had massive amounts of cannibalism because the people couldn't sustain themselves. So a lot of these people were defecting. They were going to live with the natives because the natives were hunter gatherers and they were living well. You know, everybody ate, you know, um, I was watching a a clip earlier with this doctor and he was talking about, um, uh, average hunter gatherer worked twelve hours a week, whereas you had a white man, and this is pre agriculture. You know, he's talking about how like agriculture really doesn't make sense and farming really doesn't make sense, and how a lot of diseases came post farming and post agriculture. And it started to make sense when he said it. Never even looked at it like that. But you know, th- another thing that's controversial is I tell people that black people had it good during slavery, and then people like don't understand that, but the fact of the matter is slaves were were fed, clothed, and sheltered, right? White folks, lower class white folks didn't even dress as well as some of these slaves. They were jealous. Slaves even was able to go and have their own and do a little entrepreneurship, you know, and, and sell certain things, etc., and have a little bit of money. Whereas the white man, man, the white man had to toil on his farm 12 hours a day. You know, and, and just to support himself, to keep himself, you know, afloat, only had maybe, you know, a couple of pairs of clothes, so on and so forth. And they used to complain about how, how the slaves used to dress better. And that's why you had a lot of racist acts, because they were jealous of some of how, the, how some of these black people was living on the plantations. And that's why you have a lot of these attacks and so on and so forth. That's like really the root of, of racism it comes from jealousy and scarcity. But the white man, you know, the white man was another thing they they like to tell you, too, is that, you know, black people was getting whipped. And um, Thaddeus Russell went and did the the history on that. And it was average like two point one whippings a year. In fact, when you go look at the manuals, they have manuals on how to conduct slavery. And in the manuals, it says treat your slaves kind because they tend to stick around longer and work harder than when you treat them cruel. 
The thing is, abolitionists used to put out propaganda to push, you know, talking about Civil War era, they're trying to push a certain narrative so that they can abolish slavery. So they would do is they would have people write things about slavery that was hyperbolic. So they take an extreme case and make it seem like that was all of slavery and just wasn't the case. And black people think they had like a monopoly on weapons. And what they don't understand is that the Europeans that came here were very savage and whipping was common amongst everybody. That was like corporal punishment was how you got punished for crimes in America. So white people got whipped too. They had something called a pillory. And a pillory is when you stick your head through the hole and your arms yeah. through the hole. I know yeah. y'all seen that before. It's called a pillory. So they would put your head in one of those things and make you sit in the, in the sun for like 12 hours on a day, you know, whole days, no food, no nothing. And they would whip you. And they used to do this to other white men. So when they say like they was whipping us, it was like, no, everybody got whipped. That was the custom back then. In fact, white folks used to take their kids when they were bad. They used to tie them to the tree and they used to whip their kids when they tied them to the tree. So this, this is the culture back then, you know. And so black people think like they had they had a monopoly on that thing. In fact, there was an event where there was a, 11 lynchings in one day. And it was the most lynchings that ever happened in one day. And it was two Italians. People don't understand is that Italians and Irish, when they came here, they was considered like niggas. They was, you know, they would ask black people like, Yo, why are you hanging out with the Irish? They dirty, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like coming back to my point, like when you talk about like reparations, I can make a case for everybody in America to have reparations because the constitution has been stepped on like so much over the past, like since its inception, you know, um, this country has gone awry from, from what it was supposed to be with the 13 colonies to centralization of power and communism and socialism is crazy, but I can go on and on about this. Let me, let me fast forward a little bit. Right. So yeah. let's get into segregation. Right. Let's yeah. get let's get into Jim Crow and all that and everything. Right. But quickly, not like because we sit here and talk fucking four hours is Black History Month. Goddamn. So explain the transition from slavery to, you know, what happened after slavery then? That was what year. So what, what happens after slavery is the amalgamation and assimilation. So that's when you get like you get the uh, the Puritans come down south and they say, OK, we want to start educating Negroes. Really, that was a plot to make us culturally assimilate. It really wasn't about teaching us math and reading and writing and all of that stuff. It was about making us culturally assimilate. The funny thing is we already had most of the skills. It was white men that didn't have skills. We were the ones that had some of the mechanical skills, some of the vocational type skills, if you know what I mean. We had those skills. So those are really the most valuable skills. It wasn't really that intellectual type thing. So they were trying to bring us into academia so they can make us culturally white. And that was part of the assimilation. Then if you fast forward, we got integration. Integration was disintegration. Integration was infiltration. If you ever look at um, Brown versus the Board of Education, Brown versus the Board of Education was supposed to be about, um, you know, black kids going to schools with whites. But when you read when you read the text of Brown versus Board of Education, and I'm going to pull it right, pull it up right now for you. It says today education is acquired in the performance of our most basic public responsibilities, even service in the armed forces. Now, you got to remember during segregation in World War One, black folks wasn't fighting in the war. White men was dying on those front lines. Then they got smart. It was like, nah, these niggas need to be fighting, too. 
So Brown versus Board of Education is introducing black people fighting the white man's war. And it says, it is the very foundation of good citizenship. This is what they're saying. They said, today it is a principal instrument in awakening the child to cultural values. They use the word cultural values. This isn't about education. It's about assimilation into the white man's world or the white liberal's world. And that's really what integration was about. Okay, so let me ask you a question real quick, right, bro? Did you go to college? No. Okay. I went. I ain't graduate, though. Right. And look, there's nothing wrong with that at all. So yeah. this is the thing that now that I just got, you got me thinking, okay? So I had a conversation with you about an hour ago, and I told you, what did I grow up with all my life? Do you remember what I said? Um, Was it Jewish and something else? I said blacks and Jews. That's why I grew up blacks all my life. Blacks and Jews, yeah. So, you know, I played ball. Right. First Asian in my university history to ever play college basketball, football and, uh, you know, get recruited, get, you know, get a scholarship. And, uh, you know, I listen to hip hop. You know, I mean, most of the things I was into was, uh, you know, obviously from black culture. Right. Now, um, when I became a freshman, you know, when I got in school, you know, I was very I was heavily influenced by different things. Older people, you know, I respect my elders. And, you know, I decided to check out a couple of frats. Mm. And, uh, you know, I pledged a black frat. OK. Mm small chapter and everything. You know, when I look at history and I think about things, obviously some of the things that, you know, that were embedded in my head is, uh, you know, from Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, you know, um, they were founded January 5th, 1911 by Elder Watson Diggs and Byron K. Armstrong. I'm thinking 1911. Okay, hold on, wait a second. Segregation like a motherfucker was happening back then. So obviously, you know, and the, the Alpha chapter was at Indiana University, which I'm sure Indiana was a racist there must have been a gang of motherfucking, you know, all kinds of crazy ass peckerwoods going through there, right? So now, how the fuck were their frats going on during, you know, 1911? Mm, how the fuck mm. were their fraternities going? How, how, were, mm. how was, and you know, um, but Martin Luther King was Alpha, was it Alpha Phi Alpha? Um, you know, like, I'm old enough, I'm older than you, I'm old enough to remember. Even in the late 70s, I'm old enough to remember to, you know, to see people be treated fucked up. You know, through 80s, I'm talking about like, you know, you see it now, but I'm talking about like really see it. I, like I dealt with it. I yeah, dealt with it. So yeah, I know. Yeah. So, you know, like it's just, of course you have, but I'm saying like, you know, I'm just thinking, how the fuck did you have a black fraternity? Because the history books is lying to us. They're making it seem like the white man had his foot on our neck to the point where we couldn't do shit. And that just wasn't the case. Was there trouble? Was there problems? Was there racism? Was it Jim Crow? Was there violence? Hell yeah. It was a lot of nasty situations that was going on. Much of it was coerced by um, the Knights of the Golden Circle. And the, and the military arm of the Knights of Golden Circle was the Ku Klux Klan. And the Knights of Golden Circle is actually um, a part of the Freemasons. So a lot of that stuff was coerced and financed by Wall Street to, you know, the divide and conquer type thing. So... Not everybody was racist. Not every white person was racist. And I always say this. I was like, if every white person was as racist as the book said, black people wouldn't be here right now because they were the majority. Well, shit. No, <laughs> right? We, no. we just wouldn't be here. They would have eliminated us. Look, right? bro, you answered a question for me right then and there. I'm like, yo, looking, man. And I never thought about it, you know, and I'm not high right now. You know, I smoke weed every day. Um, I took my nap already, right? Like, you know, I just thought like, wait a second, hold on. This has been in my mind for, you know, 30-something years, I, you know, since I pledged and thinking about it, boom. And, you know, I've watched all kinds of different historical movies. Again, these are movies, though, 
love Spike Lee. I'm just saying, you know, watching Malcolm X and certain things. Then you think about certain shit and you see segregation, you know, the whites only, colors only, bathroom and this, that, whatever. I mean, bro, you remember, I've been on tour three different times as a DJ, as whatever. You know, I went to all 50 states going through the Bible Belt and hearing somebody, like literally hearing somebody, like, you know, going into a diner, I'm opening the door for one of my boys. The fuck you think? I mean, it's rap. There was... I could count on my hand how many white rappers exist or how many non-black rappers existed. That would be even Latinos, whatever, right? There was very few. So I opened the door and this guy, you know, typical Billy Bob, you know, the flannel shirt, you know what I'm saying? Fucking like the, the whole mm -hmm. duck hunter looking motherfucker. And he's like, hey, chinky winky, uh, we don't do that around here. And I was thinking like, bro, it's 1995. What the fuck did he just say to me? Like, and he was, what he meant was I shouldn't open the door for the black guy, right? I'm thinking like, this is some crazy shit. So I'm ready. To, I'm like, yo, let's fuck this dude up. And the host, we're in South Carolina. The host said, hey, man, hey, Ben, do me a favor, man. You need to go inside the bus and you need to shut the fuck up. And I was like, what? I was like, hey, bro, I'm not shutting. He goes, bro, go in. And everyone's like, man, you need to chill out. And then I was like, yo, bro, why don't we go over there and bust these motherfuckers up, bro? We, we, he's like, bro, look, I'm your host here for the radio station. I just want you to understand that the clan is active over here. And uh, no matter how tough, you have to, there ain't no Crips and Bloods over here, bro. All that shit is, that shit ain't going to help you over here. It's like, bro, these motherfuckers will smoke out the entire hotel tonight, you know, and everything. I was like, oh, shit. Okay. So, you know, this is 1995 dealing with it. I'm just, it got me thinking about, you know, look, if they were as bad as everyone thinks they are, mm. I thought the same thing. It'd be like dinosaurs. Would be, they'd be, you know, black people would be extinct, right? So. Right. Who would have fucking existed? I mean, it's just crazy. It's just something that I thought about right now, and you just answered my question. And and I do believe it. It does make sense. It does add up. The math adds up. Um, so this is something that's been brought up, and I had a very, very heated, heated podcast last episode. There's been an enormous amount of hate against Asians, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. The stupidest shit in the fucking world. Whereas in the inner city areas that have are starting to get gentrified, like in Oakland, parts all through New York and everything, right? From Flushing to Brooklyn to Bensonhurst and all over the place. You got these old people getting their ass beat, whatever. And, you know, you got, you mostly it's been uh, African-American kids, you know, black kids saying like, man, you you know about this Chinese virus over here and blah, blah, whatever. And it's like the fucking crazy part is damn near none of them is Chinese. It's like Filipino, you know, Korean, Japanese, whatever. And they're like, yo, bro. And I just, I'm like, you know how fucking stupid that shit is. It just, it kills me. And this is something that's been going on all my life. How many people were in, were in the hip hop business that were Asian when I was in the 90s? No, but, you know, playing ball. No, but so what do you think? You don't think I saw all of that? But what I mean, what I'm getting at is to see Andrew Yang and Olivia Munn, and I, I endorsed Andrew Yang, you know, and I feel like a dumb fuck for endorsing him. And like, you know, and um, hearing Olivia Munn, and like people were like, yo, the awareness is big. How come you're not talking about it on your page? And I'm like, you know what, man? I'm all about it. If I see anybody attacking old Asian, if you attack the old white lady, I'm fucking you up. Like, the fuck is you talking about? But to hear the reasons why Andrew Yang had these things to say, and I'm like, bro, you are so disconnected from the youth, from the streets. Like, how the fuck is you going to talk about any of this shit? You guys are talking about laws. You're talking about, oh, by the way, on today's town hall meeting, um, we have this guy, we have this guy. Oh, this was the first Korean person in Congress. Motherfucker, I don't give a fuck about that, dude. Who is in the streets, bro? You trying to talk about the police getting new laws? That shit ain't gonna do nothing. Oh, we, we raised $80,000 in Oakland to protect the old people. Look, man, all it takes is one black person getting killed by one of these people, even though they're wrong. 
for whooping on this person and they're going to change it into a whole different thing. Mm. So let me ask you this. Who is doing the violence against, what race is doing the violence against these um, Asians? That you're it's, it's mostly black people, yeah. All right, so check this out. Let me show you the rules. The other day they had a march in New York. Asian lives matter. But the march was against white nationalists. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm thinking in my head, like, yo, the beef is between blacks and Asians. But they can't say that, right? Like the people who fund these uprisings and these these marches, they can't say that, you know, because black people is is being used as their pawns as well. But they have to bl- blame it on you know a non-existent energy, you know, like these these white nationalists, you know. This is fu- this um, is fucking crazy, bro. Yeah, you know the the thing is, I feel bad, you know, because it's a very convoluted conversation. Because, you know, the Chinese do block us out of our own industries, right? For sure. Um, but the Filipino, they got a black history. They do. The Vietnamese got a black history, you know? And there's a lot of, like, the Zoot Suits was started, I believe, in the Philippines or the Viet- Vietnam. You know, the Zoot Suits that you see Malcolm X wearing or whatnot. I think that was started in the Philippines. You know, so, like... We cousins, yeah. technically, you know? And-, and for those of you who don't know, and insider shit sounds fucked up, but it's the truth. Filipinos are considered the blacks of the Asians. Do you know what I mean? And that's what Correct. it's always been. And it's been like that. If you didn't know, if you Filipino and say, Man, fuck you, Ben, you hate, shut the fuck up. I'm telling you straight up. This is what I've witnessed throughout all over, you know, the, and I'm talking about the world. So, the, you know, obviously, and, and Filipino people are obviously darker you know, there's islands, it's all type of things like that. You know, there was the Spaniards ran through there. And, and you know, it's just that they've always look at the way the Filipinos dance. You know what I'm saying? You should know right then and there, you know, just the way they you'll are. You'll find some you'll find when you go back in the history, you find pictures of like black Filipinos, like dark skin motherfuckers with like, the, you know, the slanted eyes. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> real know? shit. Real shit. So well, my question is, like, I'm, what I'm saying is, OK. That's great. You got Lisa Ling, who, you know, thank you. Well, great. She knows about North Korea and being a refugee. Listen, this is a different thing. You're talking about the streets, okay? There was a reason why for 15, but really longer than that, but 15 years I had a business, a luxury business in the hood in South Central Los Angeles, Vietnam, California, where every rap song, every fucking statistic you could think of, boom, nothing. And I never been pressed in my life. Never had security, was in a black bike gang, everything, boom. But again, you know, you got nobody in these hoods that's Asian, that relates to the youth, that can talk to somebody and, you know, work that out. You're going to go straight to the police and try to talk to these old people. They're disconnected to the youth. They're disconnected to the street. They don't know what the fuck's going on. You guys are going in circles and circles and you're talking about 10, 15 years. No, this shit can be handled in fucking six to 18 months if you get the right people. But it's just, it was something that I, that got me angry. And now that you said the fucking Asian lives matter against white people, that even got me more mad now. But again, it's sensitive times, you know, it's like a, a weird thing. Um, what does the term white privilege mean to you? White privilege is when you get to control media, Hollywood, big tech, and all the major industries, not hire black people, then blame it on Earl down in South Texas. They, like they literally control 
every facet of our lives. They just did a study recently on on Google, and Google was talking about, oh, yeah, you know, diversity. And they said they increased their black population by 1% in Google hiring or something like that. And they talked about the program, and they said the program, um, you know, the lady, she was talking about the program, and she said, you know, the program was cool or whatever. She was like, but it seemed like Google just set the program up just to meet diversity numbers. They didn't really care about the outcome of the actual program. White privilege is being able to be racist and then blame it on people. Jesus Christ. So there's two different types of racism. It's powerful racism and powerless racism. Now, the blue whites, they got powerful racism. The red whites got powerless racism. You see, (laughs) (laughs) you see, the most a red white could do is call you a nigga, right? They could hurt your feelings. But the blue white, they could hurt your pockets. Right. The when you go and you go Google me, that's not the red whites that's trying to slander me. That's the blue whites. Right. They have that monopoly over media where if you get out of line, they try to destroy your career. They try to destroy your yeah. reputation. The red whites don't have that power. They don't even care that much. They just want to drive their Chevy truck, go hunting and fishing once a weekend. And be left the fuck alone. Right. So when did that fucking transition of power happen? Because when I think of Ronald Reagan, right? And tradi- there was never a transition. Damn. That's the biggest lie in history, that there was a transition. There never was a transition. Because technically, you know, I've been a Republican. I've never, you know, anytime anyone's asked me, I've said it. It is what it is. Boom. They're like, motherfucker. It's like, no, I just personally, me personally, I don't like Donald Trump. You know, I was just my thing. So when people say, damn, wait a second, you're a Republican? Why the fuck, you know? And people always affiliated wealth, power on the red side from what I knew, you know, growing up. But when I really realized what's going on right now, I mean, the blue is where, like you said, yeah, they're coming for your neck. They come in for this. They come for that. You know, it's, a, it's crazy. But going back to white privilege, right? I got a name for you, right? And I just want you to, what's the first thing you think when you kind of, when you hear the name Kyle Rittenhouse, what do you think about that? Uh, fucking national hero. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, man. Please elaborate on that, please. Um, Jesus Christ. So, what you have is a situation where the blue whites are funding insurrections. And these insurrections... Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on, (laughs) You're telling me that George Floyd shit that was going on over there and all that stuff was kind. You're telling me that that you think that or I don't. I mean, so that was funded by the Dems. The insurrections and the riots. Yeah, yeah. You can't organize. So here, I'm gonna tell you what happens. This is I'm gonna I'm gonna show you play by play what happens. Day one, black people come out and we loot, and we go rob and we go steal. Target gonna get hit. Gucci gonna get hit. Right. That's us. Okay. That's us. Day two, like, busting windows and burning shit down, that's Antifa Black Block, and that's the Red Whites funding. Okay. When they went back and they did the numbers, they found out, like, 50% of black businesses was destroyed um, in 2020 due to some of them riots in those areas. Like, you got black people crying, like, oh, my God, look what they did to my store. Yeah. They're not going to show you that on mainstream media because it don't go with the narrative. Right. But that's what they was doing. Black people, we not arsonists. 
we we might be klepto, yeah. but we not arsonists. No, that's, that's not what true. we do. White folks is pyromaniacs. They burn shit down. It's all through their history. They come in your, into your village and then they burn the shit down. That's what they do, right? So when you go look at, like when we go look at um Mike Brown, when they murdered Mike Brown out there in um Ferguson, in Ferguson, Darren Seals was on the ground. Darren Seals was close to that family, Mike Brown's mom. And Darren Seals said his first account, he said we was out there peacefully protesting some white boys showed up and started throwing shit at the rocks. And when shit got hot, they disappeared. I did an interview with Black Mountain Hotep, and he said the same exact thing happens in our, out in Arizona. The blue whites show up. They organize black people. They march. They marched them down to the police precinct. Once they got to the police precinct, shit got hot. The police surrounded the area, was getting ready to tear gas the protesters. The blue whites hopped in their truck and left the black people to get terrorized by the cops. This is how the blue whites operate. Okay, so run the play-by-play on Kyle Rittenhouse then. So now, Kyle Rittenhouse is a white boy that's practicing his Second Amendment rights. Nobody should be able to tell anybody who, who can and where hold a gun. He went out there to go protect property. Like, look, y'all could do all the protesting y'all want. Y'all not about to be burning shit down. If you go look at the people that he killed, they were white. He killed white people. He didn't kill black people. He killed white people. I think he shot one black dude, and that black dude was armed with a gun and was about to kill Kyle Rittenhouse. Kyle Rittenhouse didn't fire the first shot until he landed on his back. He fired those shots in self-defense, and that wasn't even his gun. Right. It was his mom's gun, right? What? Uh, no, he got it from a friend, I believe. Okay. Now, now, when you go look at the earlier tape, one of the dudes who got his wig split was a white boy. And you hear the white boy talking to Kyle Rittenhouse saying, shoot me, nigga. Shoot me, nigga. It's a white boy saying the N-word. Dog, that's why it got me confused right there. I thought it was a black dude that got killed, man. That's crazy. No, no. It's, this is what I'm saying. Like, they don't tell the full story. And I follow, I look at all the details. Right, no, I you feel you. Okay. Yeah, and but that white boy was up there saying, shoot me, nigga, calling Kyle Rittenhouse right, right, right. a nigga. You know how white boys, they yeah, get in the hip-hop community, yeah. they think they got the N-word pass? Yeah. Like, nah, that's just not cool over here. Maybe some people let their white friends slide, but that shit ain't cool over here. So he got what he was asking for. He said, shoot me, he ended up shot. But the thing is, they were chasing Kyle Rittenhouse down the street. You chase me and I got a firearm, I'm letting off, bro. Right, right. So then what about the Proud Boy situation, him hanging out with the Proud Boys and all that shit? Like, how you feel about that? That's very dicey situation. <laughs> yeah. That's a very, it's a lot of nuance to that because you got to understand that the leader of the Proud Boy turned out to be an FBI informant. Nah. The leader of the Proud that Boys. That Cuban guy? Ended up being, yes. Ended up being an FBI informant, right? This came out later on. This came out... After the 6th, they picked him up actually the day before the 6th. And that's when the story got exposed that he was a former FBI informant. So we already know that story and how that goes. Now, you got to understand that the Proud Boys started out with Gavin McGinnis. And Gavin McGinnis abandoned the movement because it turned into some old wild shit, right? Right. But it started out as something other than what the media labeled it to be, right? It became sort of the juxtaposition army to Antifa. So it's white boys fighting white boys. And what I always tell black people is, 
when white people is fighting white people, mind your yeah, fucking yeah. business. <laughs> Get the, stay the fuck out their business, man. That ain't got nothing to do with us. Everybody like, oh, look at the Proud Boys. Proud Boys ain't touched their hair on their black person. Okay, so then hold on. What about them Proud Boys that was harassing the black people in D.C. and all that shit? You didn't see them that was doing fuck with them girls, them two girls and all that and pushing people and all that crazy shit? Wait, D.C. when? This was just recently, you know what I'm saying? Like right during the, during right before the insurrection, when they're all in during DC. During the just, sixth. Yeah, right before that. Like I said, it's a lot of nuance because you got the one, you got the one black girl. You talking about the black girl that popped off and broke that lady nose? I don't remember. I just, I just remember like by the bus stop, they was getting fucked with and everything else. You know what I'm yes, saying? And just, yes, yes, yes. Because again, you got a lot of elements within the Proud Boys that is on some racist shit, right? But the thing is, when they come down to D.C. and they see like, again, I'm coming back to my previous point. This is a civil war between white folks and black folks is showing up. So when black folks show up screaming at Black Lives Matter, Proud Boys is on edge. Right. You screaming at these niggas like they not going to pop off, but these white boys going to pop off. Right, they, that's right. what they came there for. Right, they right. came. Yeah. So, so where where do you know in the hood if you go to the wrong spot in the hood and you start popping off at the lip? Who knows what could happen to you, right? So it's like it's you got to start using your common sense. If you show up to a place where cats is getting active and you popping off, you could blame it on racism all you want. But it's not a place on this planet where you could pop off at the mouth and not get your ass whooped. You go to China and get your ass whooped. Africa, Europe, no matter where you go on this planet, pop off. A group of people going to whoop your ass for popping off at the lip. And, and again, going back to my previous statement one more time, black folks need to stay out this white man's civil war. The thing is, the blue whites use us to get involved and use us as frontline soldiers. Go out here, BLM and march and go against the Proud Boys. And then we the ones that's going to get locked up. Right. You see when they did the 6th, the 6th, all them white boys got locked up and they got bailed, but it's only a black kid that's still stuck in jail right now. Yeah. No, I've seen that. So look, during all the, the original riots, like June, I think, right? June, July, when the crazy riots was getting around, LA got all fucked up. They was trying to come around here. And I said some shit on Twitter, right? And I was like, yo, man, one of my dumb ass employees is talking about he's going to go out and riot, blah, blah. And I had a mountain of black people. He me said, man, I can't believe you just said that, dog. You ain't down for the cause. Fuck you. Stay your bitch ass at home. Uh, this and that. So I said, check see. this out, bro. Check this out. Let me say real quick. Listen, you stupid ass, dumb ass. Wendy, look, this bitch look like Wendy Williams. I forgot what her name is. I can't stand this <laughs> cunt. And I said, look, one of my employees was going to go rob one of my homeboy, Domaney's store, Flight Club, one of the most famous sneaker stores in the world. He's a black man. I ain't letting that shit happen. Man, you gotta let this shit, da, da, man, bitch, shut, and just, it went back, be like, no, 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 you ain't down for the cause, blah, blah, whatever. Now, the crazy part was this. I went out maybe twice during that week, right? Just because I had to go check out my store or whatever. I'm not crazy, okay? I'm the most, I don't wanna say I'm skeptical, but like, you know, I'm just, I'm not with the bullshit, right? If I seen a ghost, I seen a motherfucking ghost, you know? I like to exaggerate sometimes, but when I exaggerate, it's because I've seen some crazy shit. So if I said I saw seven nuns fucking a ghost, a real ghost, an extraterrestrial, I probably saw two, and that was already out of pocket, wild as shit, okay? So I'm, I'm by my store at the Beverly Center, if you know LA, and all of a sudden, in front of Tito, I'm sorry, um, is it Tito? Fuck, I just completely... Uh, Benito's. Sorry, Benito's. 
they're a pile of bricks. And mm. I stopped for one second. And I said, all right, hold on one second. Let me just stop for one second, okay? There's no construction going on. Because I know my street. I would know my street because I drive it every day. So there's no construction. Then Bun B, rapper Bun B from UGK, he posted he was at a rally in Houston. And a bunch of cinder blocks and cement bricks and things were on the way to the rally, right? And again, now, this was by a park. What Bun the f- B pointed it out. Yeah, yeah, Bun B pointed it out. Okay. So okay. now, I didn't really say too much. Look, man, please tell me where the fuck those bricks were there. <laughs> the blue whites put them there. No, man, come on, man. The blue whites, this is what they do, man. They've been setting us up since the beginning of time, dog. Since the beginning of this country, they've been setting us up to fight their dumbass wars. They set us up to fight in the goddamn now, civil now you ready, war. You ready for this? <laughs> Bun said, hey, in his video, he said, hey, bro, don't pick that motherfucker. Don't pick up them bricks, man. They looking for a reason. Now, it was a bunch of Mexicans, a bunch of white crazy ass people throwing shit here and there. And when I seen it, I took off because I have a nice car and one motherfucker's throwing shit at me. I'm like, let me get the fuck out of here. You know, motherfuckers just hate it. I'm like, look, sorry this shit's going on, man. Let me get the fuck out of here. We're going to say my business, boom. But I did see enough to see about maybe seven, I want to say they 19, 23-year-old, you know, fair complexion, all young black dudes. And one dude said, hey, Hey, nah, don't pick up that motherfucker. What you mean? What you, we got to tell no, no, bro. Don't pick, don't pick that shit up. <laughs> and I heard him say it. Hey, see what you mean? Hey, he goes, bro, it's too easy. It's mm-hmm. this, this, this too easy, bro. And then I seen them go and and uh, fuck up a store, whatever. But one of the dudes, the older dude, was telling the guys like, hey, man, that like that ain't us, you know. Mm-hmm. And the whole mm-hmm. way home, seventeen minutes, I'm driving home. I said, who put? Those bricks there. I, I don't want to think. Yeah. I'm just wondering the why. The blue whites. Yeah, just That's weird. the blue whites. What That's if it was the red whites, do. though? What if it was the red whites? It could be. Yeah. I'm not going to say it's not. I'm just saying I hang around enough red whites to know that's not how they move. Okay. Yeah, I don't really hang out with you know, So, like, I mean, yeah. I be around them. I watch them. Like, first rule when you a black man, you got to study your enemy. So, I study the blue whites. And I study the red whites. And I know their history better than they know their history. Right. And I know how these motherfuckers move. That's some blue white shit. All right. As fast as you can, please explain what the fuck Antifa is, bro. Antifa is the Bolsheviks. If you know anything about the Revolutionary War, go look up the Bolsheviks. They're basically the military arm for the for the blue Spell whites. Spell that. Spell that. Uh B O L. S-H-V-I-K-S. Bolshevik in Russian means majority. You had the Mensheviks and you had the Bolsheviks. Bolsheviks means majority. Mensheviks means minority. Okay. This is this is going back to uh, uh, early, uh, late 19th century. So Antifa's not left or right, correct? Antifa's left. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's the blue whites. Black block. Antifa. That's them. But you had them. You had Antifa... At the um, inside the Capitol building on the sixth, but that one dude, you know, the guy wearing all the Viking shit, you know, talking about that one dude who was a fucking, he's like a, he's a, he's a real big Trump supporter. People are saying he's Antifa, but this dude has like been, you know, like not him, not him. That's the distraction, nigga. Okay, it's another black kid, light skin, again FBI informant type shit that was at BLM. You know, they got him at BLM. You know. 
whatever, whatever, little events and shit. But he was at the, uh, what's the name? It was black niggas that was inside. That was BLM. That shit, man, this shit is, shit is chestnut checkers. You know, the funny thing about the six to me is everybody knows that there's a system of white supremacy and everybody knows the, the neck. I'm not going to say the head, but the neck of white supremacy is the United States government. And we had the, the red whites outside the Capitol building ready to storm on the neck of white supremacy and black people defended that shit. They said, oh, how could they go attack the Capitol building? You now on the side of white supremacy because they told you the red whites was bad. Again, mind your fucking business. This is white people business. <laughs> but did you see that black dude that was inside the Senate, inside the Capitol? This motherfucker was inside Congress. He had his hat to the back. And I was like, what the fuck is this dude doing here? Right? Yeah. And uh, actually, what is your opinion of the whole end result of that insurrection, that whole situation that went down in there? Like, just all that craziness. The, 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 hold on. The lady who got shot, she died, right? She yeah. got shot twice, right? She was shot by a government official? Or was she shot by yes. one, of the, one of the rioters? Uh, government official. And then another security cop or a cop or someone got died as well, right? Potentially. Okay. I can't say for certain. Okay. And so, hold on. Now I'm confused. I don't think there was any blue whites up in that motherfucking capital. You might not think that, but it was some blue whites up in that motherfucking capital. <laughs> it was mostly it was mostly red whites though. The blue whites, the blue whites, is the ones that made it possible for the red whites to get in. You got to remember the red whites love police. We had one of our own agents on the on the ground there, and they were saying like, "Yo, they was just cussing at the cops, calling them oath breakers." And then the cops had pepper sprayed them. And then, like, them niggas had to dip or whatever. But red whites love police. Right, they do. You got a clip where the police opened the gate for them to come I in. I saw that. I just I almost feel like it was a movie. Like, I just feel like right. it didn't make any sense. Here's so the you biggest scoop of the whole thing. Donald Trump asked for 10,000 National Guard troops to be there on the 6th. And Nancy Pelosi vetoed it. Donald Trump asked for 10,000 National Guard troops to be present on the 6th just in case there was violence. And Nancy Pelosi said no. Then turned around and said Donald Trump was the cause of the insurrection and wanted it to happen. Meanwhile, she and and said there wasn't enough protection. Meanwhile, I she mean, vetoed he, the, the well, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know she vetoed it. But at the same time, I mean, that motherfucker Donald Trump did say like, hey, man, let's march up there. And da 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 da. That's and, not that's not what happened. You did you watch? Did you watch the impeachment trial? You didn't watch the impeachment trial. The second one or the first one? The second one. No, I didn't watch the second one at all. You see, you got to watch Thursday and Friday because his attorney was playing the full clip of the videos. And when you watch the full, as a matter of fact, they broke into the Capitol before Donald Trump even took the stage. Damn, you know what? I was wondering on the timing on that. They broke into the Capitol before Donald Trump took the stage, dog. Them is all lies, man. What are your thoughts on Candace Owens? Shorty getting her money. <laughs> <laughs> she, she's she somebody acting, You think she acting or you she, think she really about that red life? She doing what you're supposed to do when you don't give a fuck. You know, in the hotel community, you got something called um, the 5%ers started by Clans 13X. Clans 13X, you know about the 5%ers, right? On, of course, yeah. All right, so the 5%ers is the righteous. 
The other 10%, what they do, they take advantage of the 85%, right? Right. She's part of that 10% that's woke. And it's like, well, I'm going to help these niggas because if I try to help these niggas, they're going to say I'm the problem. It's like me, Hotep Jesus. I speak up and I tell truth to power on history and niggas is calling me a sellout. Right. Because I'm one of the five percenters. I know what's going on. I'm trying to help these niggas. Candace is smart. She like, I'm not about to tell these niggas the truth when I could get paid. So she playing the game, using the right, you know, trigger words and getting paid. Yeah. For those of you who don't uh, know what he's talking about is uh, early on the K-Town Hustle series when I first started this podcast almost two years ago, you know, I broke down. Uh, it was only recently that I hired a U.S. Marshal to be private security. For the most part, anytime I ever had security in my entire life, there was all FOIs. That would be fruit of Islam. So, you know, I've been around five percenters for the last 30 years. Uh, carry on, bro. Uh, so, okay, so that's Candace. I just, sometimes she says she, and then look, I didn't say she was stupid. She obviously knows, you know, I don't really rock with chick, you know, the certain things, but I don't rock with a lot. I don't, I don't fuck with Tommy Loren and fucking, uh, what's the other Kaylee fucking McEnany, whatever the bitch's name is and anything. Cause I mean, I blatantly said this chick was talking shit about Donald Trump and then she becomes his secretary. It's just weirdo shit. I'm not really about that, bro. I'm not about like, yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, Candace was a never Trumper. Oh, she was. Candace Owens was a never Trumper dog. She was talking shit about him, talking about grab women by the pussy and all. He was she was a extreme leftist. Oh shit, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then she got canceled for her doxing website, and that's when she switched teams. Damn. Mm-hmm. So, what do you think about you know all Kanye West thoughts? And this is a friend of mine, right? And you know all his thoughts on the, the slavery was a choice him running for president and just all the shit and whatever. And he's going to try to, you know, run again in 24 and everything. Like just your general thoughts on slavery. Slavery was a choice. Slavery was a choice. That's why we free. We chose not to be slaves. When you go look at, at the Island of Haiti, Toussaint, he led a rebellion. Sam Sharp in an Island of Jamaica led a rebellion. They chose not to be slaves. Today in America, we're all slaves to the banks because we choose that shit. Right. So why are, black, why are black people so mad at him for saying that? Because they got to be. They, they're <laughs> trained. They're, they're, you know, Pavlov has this, this experiment with the dog and the bell. Go look at Pavlov's dog experiment. Basically, he rings the bell and he feeds the dog. Rings the bells and feeds the dog. Comes to find out every time he rings the bell, the dog salivates because he thinks it's time to eat. It's the same fucking thing with black folks. You drop the N-word, say slavery, put a, a rope somewhere, and we just get triggered. So when you say slavery is a choice, yeah. we're not looking for nuance. We're not trying to understand. We just go straight to rage because it's Pavlov's bell. Right. When he said it, I know exactly what he's talking about. And by, when I also knew, I also knew he was going to face backlash because nobody's going to sit down and try to think. I did too. But at the same time, you know what I mean? That it's just like, again... This whole cancel culture shit is a fucking nightmare. At the same time, bro, let me tell you something real quick. Like, Ye has done some crazy ass shit. So I'd be like, all right, bro, I don't know, man. Because, you know, I've seen the transition. I've known the dude since, you know, almost 20 years. Um, mm. So the last thing, I mean, before we get into a total different topic, I feel like it's kind of somewhat hand in hand. Have you been quarantined, you know, throughout this pandemic? I mean, do we got a choice? <laughs> right true right you know like everything closed you ain't got no choice but to stay home i'm a homebody so i've been quarantined you know since 2019 anyway have you lost anybody from covid uh yeah allegedly from covid right Ooh, damn allegedly from covid 
I lost my aunt Lona May, and I lost my um, uncle Chester last year, and a couple of other family members. But those are the two main; those were the two oldest in our family that died last year. At the end of the day, man, this is one thing that I've been battling. The Surgeon General, you name it, all the way through. You know, I got a lot of people who are doctors and my wife's family and stuff things right now. Look, I'm not here to tell anybody that motherfuckers are writing down, you know, COVID for whatever insurance reason or whatever the fuck it may be, more money or, you know, to fit a narrative or anything. What I do know is I know people who died in Italy. I know people who died in Korea. I know people who died in, you know, in different areas. Fuck America. Let's take America out of it, you know. At the end of the day, I just feel like we've handled this pretty poorly. But, like, you know, it is what it is. That's just America, right? I kind of expected it. But no matter what anyone says, whether they want it to be gone or not exist or, you know, don't want to wear a mask, whatever the fuck it may be, you know, I've had people who are, you know, pretty woke and be like, yo, watch, when the election's over and everything's done and the inauguration is done and they bring Biden in office, watch this shit go away. I'm like, bro, this shit ain't going away, bro. I'm just, I'm, I'm sorry to tell yeah, you. Nah, they, nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, exactly. I mean, it, there's, it's in 250 countries, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's no way that every single fucking person is involved in, you know, every country, like it's, you know, but there are things that raise my eyebrows, you know, but at the same time, I really don't have a choice like you said, but with me, it's different because I have an older son. My oldest son has a very severe respiratory illness. It's past asthma. So it's specifically made for him. Before this ever existed, before COVID-19 was ever created, I had a ventilator in the house for him. You know, my son's been in ICU, whatever. So it's just a fucked up situation. I just wondered what you think. And, you know, I saw- Well, I'm Hotep, so we don't we don't get down with ventilators. You know what I'm saying? Like, my girl's in um in health insurance, right? And she says usually you pull out that you pull out the ventilators. Oh, it's a wrap. When um, when, yeah, and someone somebody's about to die. It's, it's really just you know so the family can come see him in their last moments. Ventilators, what they do is they weaken your your lungs because your lungs then become dependent on the ventilator. In the Hotep community, what we do is we treat with um alkaline foods and steam. Right. There's a, a brother named Jehudi Ma'ara who I would suggest you know you speak with. But we don't operate with them, you know, the machines and, and creating a dependency upon machines. No, it was that just something like that. that it was something that where he went into ICU and they went to sudden dead wash. And we figured out what was really the problem. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a lot of uh, the environmental things, molds, allergies, foods, things like that. And I was like, damn, man, you know, so we had to strengthen it. Truth be told, he's used a ventilator once and we haven't been on it in 22 months. You know, we haven't used even used his uh, his nebulizer which is just his steroid, you know, albuterol injection, everything with this through oral, you know, we've been good, you know, and, and trust me, man. I've, but I've I'm talking s- about, I'm talking about the, for example, everybody was telling um, Donald Trump, yo, the hospitals need more ventilators. The hospital need more ventilators. Then you fast forward four or five months later and in a news article switched and said, well, we found out the ventilators was actually killing people. So we stopped giving them the ventilators. <laughs> After they blamed Trump for not bringing the ventilators. Meanwhile, me and the Hoteps was telling people, yo, don't let them put your old folks on them ventilators. Yeah. You so, know what I'm saying? So let me tell you this real quick. Look, mm-hmm. two weeks ago, my wife's uncle passed away. Talked about it on the show. There's certain times where I think like, you know, it's that 50-50, right? You'd be like, okay, well, it could help them, boom. you know. But then from what I'd noticed from the people I spoke to, you know, it pretty much that's a wrap. When I found out that Ricardo, my wife's you know, uncle, was, was on the ventilator, I was like, oh, you got on the ventilator? And I was like, he's late 50s? Oh, he's a wrap. He's done. And she's like, don't say that. And I was like, babe, I'm telling you right now. 
with what he's got, diabetes, this, that, whatever, and they put on the ventilator. Look, he's and then sure enough, in about thirty hours, he passed after he got on the ventilator. You know, so I get what you're saying. The hospital is anti-science. When you go in a hospital and you sick, what do they give you to eat? One of those things they give you to eat is these terrible little food. terrible food. But they give you this, these little things of apple juice and orange juice. That shit ain't nothing but artificial sweeteners. That's yeah. sugar. Corn the syrup. leading cause of cancer is stress. The second leading cause of cancer is sugar. Right. So you go in a hospital and you leave it sicker than when you went in. <laughs> no. That's not even how you... The way the immune system works is it kicks in when you fast. Right. That's why you see all these self-help gurus talking about the power of fasting. The power of fasting. Because it's what happens. You, 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 it kicks your, your immune system in overdrive. You're supposed to fast and get a lot of liquids in your body. You're not even supposed to eat because the when you eat, it pulls the vital life force or the energy out of you in order to digest. So the body can't even use that energy to heal you. Right. The hospital is anti-science. I had COVID. Oh, you did? I had COVID, dog. I was in Las Vegas for CES last year. Around Damn. all them Chinese cats. Yeah. All it was a, yeah. you know, that's the consumer electronic show. I was around all them Chinese cats. The day I got back. I felt weak as shit. Like I couldn't even stand up in the airport. I came home. I was sick for two weeks, dog. I landed on a Thursday. I did my my podcast that night. The next week I did my podcast and I haven't missed a week of podcasting yet. I sat through COVID and I treated myself through COVID because there's certain things I know about the body and healing that most people don't know. Hot baths. Essential oils, um, water, not drinking store-made fucking um, orange juice, and fasting. I ain't eat no soup or nothing like that. I was fasting. I was sweating that shit out. That's the other thing they do. Your body, your body gets a temperature when you get sick. Well, the temperature is raising the heat to burn the virus out of your body. Yeah, but what they do it. is they give you medicine. Right. They give you medicine to drop the temperature, and the virus is like, oh, thank you. Now I get to play free. <laughs> it's anti-science. You know what's crazy is uh, the people in Korea, one thing they were doing before all this other shit, they were figuring out whatever, any kind of fucking medicine, whatever, boom, they were just giving them insane amounts of vitamin C and obviously in a very high amount of water. And, um, you know, other people mistook that for, oh, let's give them, let's give them orange juice. Like, no, motherfucker, we didn't say orange juice. We said straight overdose of vitamin C with straight alkaline water. Straight pure water. Boom. Don't drink shit out for two weeks. Boom. And, um, you know, the doctors in America said, well, we don't know. You know, who knows? But I'm talking about, like, let's say, for instance, you know, there's 2,000 milligrams. That's a lot of vitamin C, right? Like in an emergency pack. I'm talking like 35,000 milligrams in a day. Like, they were overdosing them with, with vitamin C in Korea. And they were giving them, I mean, Korea has handled it for the most part, you know, pretty well. And, and, you know, the water in Korea, you know, you remember Jeju Island, you know, you're talking about great spring water. And there's just, you know, and, and Korea was was been on carbon water and, and alkaline water and all that shit way before America was. Um, anyways, just fucking crazy, man. The whole situation is fucking nuts. I'm sure you're obviously a, a fan of Dr. Sebi, right? Yeah. Yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. man. Great dude. Alkaline diet. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh. Because this is a business podcast, and uh, we've been talking about everything but business, except, you know, like some historical shit, right? 
how is it that you earn a living, right? I mean, um, I assume obviously, you know, you have a podcast and things, right? But since I'm a, a newer follower of yours, right? I've only seen mostly political views and tweets about men being too soft, you know, overall lack of masculinity, things like that, right? So, I mean, what is it mainly that, because uh, you're, you're a very bright person, you know, so I'm assuming. I have, I have a, a program every Saturday uh, of students that I teach marketing to. It's about 20 students I have in there. That's a $1,300 a year package or $200 a month package, depending on how you want to pay. Right. Um, I'm an author of two books, and I do marketing consulting. Um you know, and I've been saving my money over the years. You know, I've been, <laughs> I've been fucking, I've been, I've been investing. You know what I'm saying? Do you fuck like, with crypto at all? I, I got money. I got money in a BlockFi account, growing nice. five point seven percent interest right now. Nice. Like you know, nice. like, like I know money. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like no. I know money. Like I know the history of money. I know money. I know how to get money. I know how to get rid of it. I, I used to be a mortgage broker. Like I know money. You know, so um, I earn, I earn a good living. Just off of being me. Plus, you know, I got the the YouTube, and you know, we get we get a couple of racks off the YouTube every month. We got the Patreon popping. And nice. The thing is, like, my, my lifestyle is subsidized because Hotep Nation is a nonprofit organization, so that runs itself. That's not coming out of my pocket. So anything Hotep Nation does comes from our donors. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, so that that corporation runs itself. I got a Bitcoin company. I got an AI company and um, we got a, we got an investor for that company. I got a, a iPhone app and you know, it's just, you, I got a couple of just, you know, other streams that just keep money coming in. I see you got a lot of avenues, brother. So I was just curious. Um, you talk about the book, you know, it's all masculinity, right? Mm -hmm. Look, man, I saw the headline. It says, you know, how to make women submit. Okay. So this is a business podcast. Like I said, my fans, my listeners of this show are very loyal. They'll go cop that motherfucking book, bro, right? But can you at least drop one gem for my listeners about that book? Like, how does the average Joe get? I gotta the drop. I gotta drop. I gotta drop two. Um. So how did? So how does he get the girl? Well, again. So let me just go focus on my gems. Women are the apex predator. A lot of men don't want to hear that because they bitch made. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like. Like some of these niggas got fragile egos. When you say women are the apex predator, they feel insulted. But only a man would, or only only a bitch would feel insulted. Man, we don't we don't let like words bother us. But women are the apex predator. They really they really hunting us. You know, every girl I've ever been with came at me. She shot a shot at me. You know what I mean? Like women at the end of the day are the ones that you know they are the ones that have to grant consent. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So so they're in control. And you got to understand that. The other part of it, I got to. Uh, a chapter in my book called Equilibrium. And it's really about staying in your zone and staying in your focus. You know, women like focused men, women like accomplished men, women are attracted to power and money. Women are, uh, after the age of 25, are high pergamists, you know? So you got to just be on your grind. You know, if you on your grind and you, you keeping your nose clean and you focus, the women come to you. That's a no-brainer for sure. I mean, to me, at least, you know what I'm saying? I'm a successful man, so I mean, I feel like women that's... Hate a, Women hate a thirsty nigga. Yeah, man, that's that's for sure. Should a man feel insecure about a woman who's much more successful than they are? Nah, not at all. Why would you feel insecure about that? I, you know, you know I, like I, I know dudes who like you know that they, they work at Best Buy, but they make decent money because there's commission, so they do really well. And then they girl is like you know 
has some crazy makeup tutorial shit go viral boom now the girl's making two million a year and now the guy feels like a bitch and he's like yo man and he starts acting crazy yo what you got motherfucking dudes in your dms like who's hitting you up like you know i've seen dudes just lose it on their girlfriends i'm like yo bro <laughs> you need to sit the fuck back and just enjoy life yo if you even thinking about your girl's dms yeah you're not busy enough you don't just you, you, you Facts, like, bro. I'm way, I'm, I'm way too busy to even think about like what the fuck my girl doing on Instagram. Like, if you got time, if you got time to think about that shit, that's why she probably cheating because you got too much time on your bro. hands, nigga. You, you's a bum. For episode 100, I had my wife on the show, and she damn near said, "I wish you would ask me what the fuck is that." Like, and she genuinely was like, "Yo, you just don't give a fuck or what's going on in my life." I, was, I didn't say I didn't give a fuck. I'm like, "Babe, you do what you got to do. I got too much other shit going on." Like, I ain't worried about no fucking clown. You know what I'm saying? Worry about the, what the fuck's he going to provide for? Like, really, like, for real. You know, we got an I amazing... I hope he do provide some shit. I hope he do come take your ass. <laughs> <laughs> if you got a nigga in your DMs that won't come take you, he can have you. Go. Exactly, exactly. You, I replace your ass so fast. <laughs> Hotep Man's probably been one of the best fucking interviews I've done, and I've interviewed a lot of people. Uh, the last question I ask every guest who comes on this show is, is there anything you'd like to ask me? <laughs> Damn. Yeah, um, put you on the spot. I always put everyone on the spot yeah, like that. Did. How do you get money? Uh, you know, traditionally, obviously, you know, people know me, I'm a jeweler. So, you know, from there, uh, you know- How I've does made... that work though? Like, I, I know you a jeweler, but how, you know, if you get into gems at a certain price, you just add in a markup or you pay, getting paid for the custom work or, or and the service and so, labor? Okay, as far as the jewelry business itself, like, okay, yes, there's a there's a lot of different ways. So obviously I buy gold every day, you know. Not only is that obviously, you know, a global currency that never, you know, the price in Alaska, the price in Australia, the price in fucking Brazil, Haiti, Canada, it's all the same. It don't go fluctuate. You know, the euro is not different. You know, it's the same universally, right? But I have to buy it for the store, for chains, for making things. Uh, you bullion? know, you buy bullion, or how do you buy? It? I buy raw gold. You know okay. what I mean? Like it comes so, like so, what, like oblong rock? They literally look like little pellets. They look like little like okay. fucking BBs. But they I look, know what you're talking about. Okay, I know I'm what you're sorry. About. Yep, I've seen that. You know, before, you, know, yes. you know the candy nerds. Yep, I know exactly what you're talking about. I seen that. I seen that. Yeah, yeah. Now look at like a peanut butter jar, right? You, if I threw that shit at you, first of all, I'd have to be the most cockstrong diesel motherfucker in the world to throw this motherfucking shit. Where you would, that shit would, you wouldn't catch it, bro. I don't give a fuck how strong you are. That's how heavy this shit is, right? One, number two. Um, obviously, I have a great diamond supplier. As you go through, uh, being a jeweler, you go through certain tiers. If you are blessed with a great plug, when it comes to diamonds and certain things, you know that can help you tremendously now when it gets to a certain point you know i kind of had a decent name before i even started jewelry uh the music business had connections but when i really established a global business with my company you know now i can start charging a whole different price level you know because this is a luxury business it's not a necessity business or anything and people are looking at different things i'm doing things with like you know nfts are now you know the wave and, and they're about to start popping um I'm doing collaborations with enormous artists like Kaz and Murakami and doing things with the states. And, you know, I've worked with so many different types of people. People think that because I did so many, you know, famous rappers chains, that that's my, I don't even fucking do rappers chains anymore, period. You know what I mean? Like I'm dealing with Saudi, you know, royalty, Sultan of Brunei and people like that. And, you know, and, um, you know, they pay me for a service. So right now minimum is 
$250,000 to get a chain from me. That's the minimum choice, right? The minimum price. And um, I'm booked until uh, spring of 2023. So, you know, that's good. But then I also have a retail store. So you could buy things there. And I have all kinds of things from, you know, religious things. Like one of the biggest selling jewelry pieces in the entire world are crosses, Jesus pieces, onks, you know, uh, Hamza's, third eye, you name it, all that shit, right? I have everything. Um, I own a cannabis farm, right? So, you know, I grow, I do cultivation there, boom. So I have my own strain. I have that. Then obviously I had the podcast, which has gone very, very big. And we flourished on here. I ain't gonna lie to you. Shout out to DB Podcast, greatest producers in the world. Um, and then obviously I have a great agent. I'm with XL Sports Management. You know, they represent Tiger. Tiger, I hope you're okay, man. This is fucking crazy. What's going on? Uh, Peyton Manning, Derek Jeter, 15% of the stars in the NBA and NFL, golf, everything. So they represent me for a lot of brand corporation deals like um, the, you know, the Snickers chain. I have NFL endorsement. I'm in the NBA 2K game, right? I have a huge, enormous million-dollar deal with Topps baseball cards. So it's it's been good. You know, like me being 48 years old is, you know, most people my age, just like you're washed and you're done. But me, I've somehow figured out a way to stay relevant as the years go by. Mm, mm. That's dope. That's dope, man. If you want to invest in tech, man, I got a couple of companies. Holler at me, man. No, definitely, for sure, man. And uh, to all the fans and everybody, where can they find you? Please break down everything. Like, you know. Yeah. Just go to my website, briansharp.co, B-R-Y-A-N-S-H-A-R-P-E.co. You'll see my books. You'll see my projects, my tech projects there. Um, yeah, it's briansharp.co, B-R-Y-A-N-S-H-A-R-P-E. On uh, Twitter, it's Hotep Jesus. And on Twitter, it's Hotep Jesus, yeah. And uh, what is the name of your podcast so people can find you? Uh, Hotep's been told you every Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern time. Oh, man, bro. I'm about to subscribe to that shit right now, man. Yeah, it was hey. a wild show, man. Like, when people watch this show, they're like, yo, I, I can't stop. It's very sticky. It's very sticky. I would love to be a guest on that show and just give you, you know what I'm saying, and just be raw. Oh, yeah, no doubt. Come through. Yeah, man. All right, so listen, man, I really appreciate you coming on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, that is Hotep Jesus, a.k.a. Uh, Brian Sharp, or vice versa. And uh, yo, Miles, man, let's go to a commercial quick, uh, throw on some Lakey Lake. We'll be right back. So um, I'm... Uh, I just thought about this. It's weird. Every time I come out of break, out of a commercial, nothing. I always say so, um, so. Um, it's fucking crazy. It's like clockwork. I might have. Is this is what episode one sixty one? I would say that I think on one hundred and forty episodes or more, I've said that, right? So, um, fuck you. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I'm headed uh, out of town uh, for privacy reasons. I don't want to give anybody a, a head start or nothing about where I'm going. But I go get buried my cousin this weekend. And um, it, it just still has fucked me up. The last time I was this fucked up was probably Q. But in certain ways, obviously, this is uh, somebody obvious I've known way longer than Q. And um, it's just really taken definitely a toll on me. And it's just had me feeling weird. And just even when I think that everything is all good, right, with, with you know, with Bitcoin breaking 55K and um, whatever, it just doesn't really matter, right? You know, um, it's going to be weird. Uh, another thing, too, that's making me feel awkward is I obviously figured I'd be a pallbearer. Not that it really matters. I'm just saying it's just obviously, you know, one of his closest people to him. And um, his mom has decided to cremate him. I just I just don't get that yet. I'm just not a big 
fan of cremation. I just, I don't know, man. I just feel like, man, it's just such a fucking weird thing. You know, like I just, I don't know what it is. I'd rather be a skeleton in, in it. I think I've said this on here right before that I've been petrified of death. I've been obsessed with um, fear of death. Um, not the act of dying, meaning like, you know, it's like, I'm not scared again, shot, whatever. It's just what happens next, right? And what happens to my family, what happens to my kids. That's the most important thing to me. If I had nobody, I guess I'd be sad about having nobody, right? But just like, I don't know, man, you know, I just, I just want to make sure that my kids are, are well and old enough. That's why I do need to start a healthier lifestyle. Now, it's been a minute since I've said that, but I've said it several times. I just, um, mentally, I've been getting there, but um, food-wise, I've definitely been eating a little bit too much Del Taco. It's got to stop. Um, so anyways, yeah, it's going to be a little bit of a, a weird situation going to a city that I go to often, and uh, I'm going to be obviously talking about on the weekend wrap-up how it was to fly, what it's like to, you know, Fortunately, I'm going to two small airports, not not big airports. We had two small airports, but I'll be you know, going to talk about it because I haven't flown in exactly a year. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be strange, man. And um, I know a lot of people aren't talking about COVID, and I'm not really going to get into it too much. But, you know, I'm getting the vaccine supposedly next week. So I'm kind of excited about that. And, uh, you know, it is still out there. It's fucked up. Just think that we're controlling it better. I don't know what to say, man, but... You know, my cousin got COVID, and now we don't have an autopsy yet. But, you know, there could be things that maybe, you know, fucked him up from COVID. I mean, I, I'm just assuming. Just weird conversations he was having, too, around the time that he got COVID and things like that. I don't know, man. Fucking weird. Uh, so podcasts. Ryan Serhant, he's a big real estate guru, business guy, entrepreneur. He is a star, well, one of the stars of a show called Million Dollar Listing. Million Dollar Listing is a, is a good show, really big, popular show. I haven't watched a lot of it, but he is, you know, one of the stars in the show. He has a new podcast called Big Money Energy, and I just did his podcast this week, so it should be coming out real soon. Also, really soon, I don't know if it's today, tomorrow, but very soon is No Jumper Part 2, right? I told you guys already, my man, Adam22, this No Jumper Part 2 podcast, I thought it was a pretty good interview. The Ryan Serhant was definitely a much more structured, um, in-depth interview where I think I said some things I haven't really talked about too much, right? So, anyways, took the SF90 out twice this week, right? Just to clear my head, drive it in the daytime during like, you know, I really haven't driven the car that much. You know, the car barely has 130 miles or something. So, I realized couple things it is very sick this car is sick as a motherfucker this car is faster than shit for sure now i have confirmed i have never driven a faster car in my life i don't give a fuck if you have a 2000 horsepower nissan gtr it's not faster than this car period there is no car that i could think of that is gapped in this car i know the 765 lt is fast but it is not as fast as this sf90 is no joke this thing is fucking vicious okay so and it's got nothing on it. So I'm just debating, am I keeping it? What the fuck am I doing, right? I'm getting offers for $200,000, $250,000, I'm sorry, over sticker, excuse me, $250,000 over what I paid. And so I'm like, do I take this to Gintani and get this fucking exhaust and tune done? Just have to say, fuck you, right? And what about the Senate? What about the LaFerrari, right? Which, did I bring that up yet? Oh, we'll, we'll talk about that another time. So 
the SF90 I've just fallen in love with. So the only reason I haven't decided to keep it yet is because there are no active parts for it yet, meaning there's no Novatech suspension yet where I can drop that bitch on the ground. I kind of love the way it drives right now, but it doesn't look the way I need it to, you know. Um, I definitely want to change the wheels if I keep it. Nothing crazy, but definitely something motorsport and uh, something lightweight, something strong, a monoblock for sure, not putting a two-piece or three-piece wheel ever again on a fucking exotic car. And um, I just, this car is just fucking amazing. I, just, I, I wish everyone could drive this car. It is that fucking sick. I've been, I think one of my next giveaways might be Drive Ben's Ferrari SF90. What do you guys think about that? I, you know, I think that's what I'm going to do. And speaking of giveaways, I got two giveaways to mention. Very big ones, okay? Well, sorry. One just passed. Was, you know, whatever. It wasn't crazy. I'm sorry. What am I talking big? So the winner of the Micro Jesus piece, I did that on my Instagram live. This is going to be a much better format from now on. Just taking everyone's name. For every single card that you buy, you get an entry. So some people buy 50 cards, they got 50 entries, right? What's crazy is the winner who won the Micro Jesus piece, he bought one card. And his name is Daniel. He's from Chandler, Arizona. And congrats on the Micro Jesus piece. But I'm going to be giving out different random things every time I drop a Topps Project 70 card. Okay, now we'll get to Project 70 in a second. Platinum Giveaways, company based out of Canada, right? I always thought this shit was like cap. I thought it was like um, some kind of scam or some shit. No gimmicks, no jokes, nothing like that at all. Tomorrow, I'll be announcing on my Instagram page how you can win $10,000. Yes, I'm giving away $10,000. There will be a grand prize of $5,000 cash and two prizes for $2,500 each. It is not a joke. It is very easy. The instructions are simple. All you got to do is go to Platinum Giveaways' official Instagram page, find out who they're following, follow everyone they're following, then go back to my post and comment, done. D-O-N-E. That is fucking it. And you will have a chance to win a lot of fucking money. Cash. No joke. I'll be handling you this shit. It is not a fucking game. It is very serious. Um... So look out for that tomorrow. Definitely a big deal. Now, uh, there are no new movies or shows. I just haven't seen shit. There's nothing I wanted to watch, man, to tell you the truth. But I did see a trailer for a movie called Boogie. And it's about some Asian dude who's going to try to make it to the league and, you know, play basketball. Actually, I'm sorry, he's Chinese. I should be more specific, right? And uh, shout out to my boy, Eddie Huang. Eddie Huang from uh, Fresh Off the Boat. And, you know, he's a chef and everything else. He's, he's jack of all trades, man. Good dude. I wish that we had, you know, had more time to kick and hang out. You know, cool guy. He's one of the few Asian dudes I really, I like, I just, he really does his own thing. I fuck with dude and smart guy, obviously fucking amazing chef and all that. And just has a lot of history, knows about his, his history, which is dope. But this movie looks really interesting. Um, Pop Smoke is in it, which is kind of dope. I can't wait for this shit to come out. Uh, so breaking news, this just came in, right? A little bit on the rumor mill, but. I've talked to some people, and this is something that I've been, it's been in the back of my head. I talked to some players, I talked to some people, you know, who know, dude. So, Russell Wilson's camp, his agent obviously fucking knows this, has literally just, Russ needs to fucking say something, right? But I don't think he's going to because these rumor trades are real now, okay? So, Bleacher Report has reported that 
Russell Wilson's camp has broached trade destinations with the Seahawks, okay? The Dolphins, the Jets, the Saints, and the Raiders have been mentioned. Some people in the NFL think a trade could happen in the near future. Let me tell you something real quick. I already know that he's eyeballing the Raiders. No fucking idea. I don't know if CR's in this shit. I don't know. There's all kinds of crazy rumors inside, like, inside the know, right? People are saying he's listed a Seattle crib, which is fucking crazy because he's loved there so much. But people think that Derek Carr and a lineman or someone, you know, a defensive lineman, offensive, I don't know. They think that that's going to be a fair trade. Like, nah, man, look, if Russ is going to leave, fuck him, right? I just don't want him to go to the fucking South, the NFC South, that is. I don't want to go to the fucking Saints. He'll bring a lot of wins to the Saints. That's for goddamn sure. That whole, the way that they run their offense down there, man, they'll crush it. But yeah, I'm not letting that happen. And there's nobody on the, what the, who the fuck would I want on the Jets? Right? Even a draft pick, fuck that. Unless, well, the Jets have what? The top two, three picks? I don't know. This is such a crazy way to start out my fucking Thursday. And um, I'm just like, man, look, Russ need to fucking chill. Because if Russ goes, I, I got a good feeling that Jamal Adams is going to go. Right? So fuck the Dolphins. Fuck all that other bullshit. We need Deshaun Watson or nothing else. Right? We need someone A1 or it just ain't worth it period. So come on, Deshaun, let's make this motherfucking deal happen out of nowhere. And um, yeah, fuck you, Russ. What is next? Oh, man. Fuck, man. Jesus Christ. <sighs> My Lakers. <laughs> Yo, this is gonna be short. Guys, the Lakers ain't shit without AD, okay? Um, we need AD to come back, right? Look, Fuck all the all-star snubs. I am not one for snubs. When people got, oh, man, you got man, you got dirty, blah, blah, whatever. Man, put some respect on Trey Young's name. Put some respect on the band. I don't give a fuck about none of that shit. You know what? People get fucking snubbed for Grammys, Oscars, this, that, and third, boom. Look, I just learned a long time ago, man, that, you know, whatever politics are involved here and there, if that's what, you know, you're the flavor of the week or whatever it may be, life ain't fair. Yeah, there should have been more reserves and whatever, but it just ain't, you know, it is what it is, man. So, you know, at the, in the meanwhile, people keep talking about LeBron needs to rest. and it just, It's just like a constant thing. If he has played the game this long, and I can't believe I'm fucking defending LeBron, and he's publicly said, look, I don't know why the fuck you guys are putting this narrative out there. I don't need the rest. I'm out here trying to be, you know, playing on a, on a higher level and keep playing. So let the motherfucker play, you know, because we got nobody else. Like, everyone is just, I don't know, fucking Trez. Like, come on, man. THT started last night. Like, that should tell you everything. You know, I mean, he, he came out kind of banging, but it's like, bro, we got wiped out. We got washed by 25 points from Utah. And look, they are the best team in the West right now, right? But who gives a fuck? Fuck Utah. Fuck Gobert. You know? Fuck Donovan Mitchell. I don't give a fuck. I, I know that, but, you know, seven-game series with 80 back, we gonna wash them right back. It just, just bugs me out that Clarkson is playing so fucking good. Brandon Ingram is playing good. Julius Randle... All these old Lakers are balling out of control. Meanwhile, it's like, what the fuck? But we got to figure it out. We really, I, I am starting to get a little concerned, right? Um, after the All-Star break, you know, I'm sure, because uh, 80's not playing that, whatever. Let's see what happens. I don't think we need, we need to rush him back. I think, you know, we're good. We're going to go to the playoffs for sure. But I am starting to worry about the Lakers a little bit, you know, about this being a lock for the, for the chip this year. I don't know. We have to see what happens. LeBron does have that Tom Brady kind of thing in him, but... 
the more and more I've been watching Kobe highlights this week, and don't ask me why, I've just been kind of watching fucking in the background on Spectrum Sports and shit. For those of you who are in Los Angeles and have DirecTV, you know, there's only one channel that plays the Laker games. And I'm just watching these games. I'm just like, yo, man, Braun is good. Don't get me wrong. He's, but he don't have that killer fucking instinct. You know what I'm saying? So it's just, I don't know. Um, anyways, Project 70. I'm dropping a new card next week. I'm pretty sure I am. I kind of want to tell you guys who it is, but I kind of want to wait, right? I want it to be a mystery because I really have no, like, there's no sequence. There's going to be like no pattern. It's going to be just really random as fuck and what I'm doing. But what I am doing next week is I am dropping my Mookie Betts autos next week and I have restocked on lighters, mouse pads, and I'm doing stickers. I'm doing like a little little pack, a little, you know, Van Body the Chain merch pack right? You're going to be able to buy a merch pack for 25 bucks. It's going to have all the shit that you guys want and it sells out every time. And this time, I don't know when the next time I'm going to restock. So, you know, restocked and uh, got that dropping. Don't know what day next week, probably Thursday, maybe Friday. My Project 70 autos for Mookie Betts. These cards look really, really good, by the way, right? And um, I'm only doing 18 blue or silver autos. That will say BBDTC. For those of you who are new and new to Project 70, new to any of my autos and stuff, okay? And now, this is the crazy part. You ready for this? I'm going to be dropping these at a much lower price than I've ever had autographs, ever. Like, fucking ever, okay? And then I'm going to be doing a one of three auto with gold ink. It will be a one of three Ben Baller gold auto Three only. So total, there'll be 21 cards, and that is it for the entire 20 cards. I didn't start on that early with, you know, I, I missed out on each hero, and I did Frank Thomas, Lay, and fucking, um, you know, the cards. These are going to be numbered, all official, certified, with authenticity cards from Beckett, um, and that drops next week. And again, I'm excited. Uh, I know everyone keeps talking about NFTs, and I'm just like, fuck, man. I haven't really wanted to get too much into it. But I am going to obviously fuck with some NFT shit. But Gary Vee said some really valuable shit on Clubhouse uh, last night, actually. You know, 97% of the NFTs that drop in the next few years are going to fail. And I said this without him saying, I said, look, man, you can't just keep acting like you're going to print money and things sell out and people make a million dollars in 30 minutes or whatever the fuck it may be. Look, Everyone is, this is the gold rush and people are going, but it's like, again, this is also snake oil. So you got to be careful who the fuck you're investing in, whatever. And it's just like, look, for the most part, my shit is sold and my shit has held pretty decently. So look, you guys have any questions, hit me up on Clubhouse. I'm going to start hosting some rooms. I actually want to get a BTB official room or a club going on there. I applied for it. Let's see what happens. But yo guys, that is it for the episode. I appreciate you guys. I want you guys to have a lovely weekend. Please make sure you're subscribing to the show. It is available on every possible platform. Anywhere you listen to podcasts, Behind the Ballers there, right? We're going to do fan questions next week as well. Um, I'm sorry, this weekend we're doing fan questions. Um, you know what? No, fuck that. We're going to push it to the next week. So start asking your questions now because it takes a while for it to register on the iOS. And uh, yo, that's it. Miles, Jordan, you got anything to say? Yeah. All right. Well, listen, at DB Podcast, they are still doing the handicap shit and they are crushing it with the bets. 
Alright guys, yo, we are out of here. Miles, hit me off with some Lakey Lake, and I will see you guys on Monday. Peace. <laughs>